This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. Welcome to the program with a unique focus on helping Canadians avoid probate. The one thing everyone should know about probate is that it's not inevitable. With some planning and good advice, you can avoid the exhausting, expensive and time-consuming probate process and have your affairs settled quickly and privately. Speaking of good advice, here are your hosts of Avoid Probate. Good morning, Zoomer listeners. Welcome to the Avoid Probate Show. So glad you're here joining us on this beautiful Sunday. I'm Jason Laidler, here with the world-famous Ted Walshin, as usual. Good morning, Mr. Walshin. Good morning, Mr. Laidler. How are you? Fantastic, thanks. How are you? How can I not be on a beautiful day like today? Have you looked outside? I know. <laughs> hey, the, the summer's been hot, don't you think? It, it has been a blistering summer, and, and I'm reading recently that they're talking about the upcoming winter being brutally cold, lots of snow, you know sleet. What? You know, if I had a dollar for every time I heard this and people just go on, oh, it's going to be a bad winter, I don't buy into it for one second. Okay. Not one second. I'm not saying it's not going to be a cold winter, but we'll last winter was, I thought last winter was kind of lame. It was. Well, I wouldn't call it lame. I would say mellow. Yeah, okay. Sometimes I have to plow my driveway yeah. with a machine that has a plow on it. Last winter, if I'm not wrong, I only did it three times. Now, we had to shovel a few times. Yeah. I don't get to plow out for like two inches of snow. No. But in terms of plowing snow, mm-hmm. I think three times was the total for the whole winter. Yeah. We had a few cold nights. We did. Hey, well, I live, as the listeners, regular listeners will know, I live near Lake Simcoe and I go ice fishing on Lake Simcoe with the same machine. And the ice was thick because we had some really, really cold nights mm-hmm. last winter. And that happens every year, but it's been happening later and later and later. You know, like the goal used to be go to be ice fishing by Christmas. That doesn't happen anymore. No. Hasn't happened in a long time. It's funny that we're talking about ice fishing in the middle of summer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was like 40 degrees the week before. Oh, it was so hot the other day. We had a family barbecue to celebrate my niece's 19th birthday. I can't believe she's 19. Happy birthday, Julia, by the way. Belated. And it was outdoors. It was a beautiful day. We were happy it wasn't raining, but the heat was wicked. We almost got to the point where we were thinking about getting fans from inside the house, running extension cords to the backyard just to, you know, help with a breeze. But anyway, so... What's on your mind, Ted? I'm just looking at the kinds of days, the day that this is, what it represents. It's uh, International Day of Remembrance and Tribute to the Victims of Terrorism. It used to be, uh, for the longest period of time, when you use the word terrorism, we immediately thought of people who were from outside the country. Mm, but true. now we're witnessing, especially our neighbors to the south, so many... Uh, occurrences domestic, of domestic terrorism. Domestic terrorism. Which is probably more frightening. So sad, Yeah. Because it's like, you know, people, you always get those news reports where they go, well, I can't believe it, he was my neighbor, he was so quiet, and, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he ends up with, a, you know, an AKG or whatever somewhere in the plaza. International Day, just to repeat, International Day of Remembrance and Tribute to the Victims of Terrorism. I mean, I guess that also applies to the whole 9-11 thing. That was terrorism. That definitely was an act of terrorism. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. 
Okay, well, it is what it is. It's a little dark, but on a maybe slightly happier note, it also happens to be Internet Self-Care Day. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Well, tell the listeners that's and, and a, help that's, them. That also fits right in with terrorism because that's I guess. what it is. It's, yeah. it's cyber terrorism, right? People are hacking your identity, stealing money from your account, signing you up for things that you don't want to be signed up for, yep. taking money from you. Just got to be so careful nowadays, you know. I have a mortgage broker friend who was saying that one of the ways this happens with seniors, of course, they focus on seniors because often they're, they're mortgage-free. So their identity gets stolen somehow, whether it's online or because of stuff they've thrown in the garbage with identity on it. And uh, they go to the bank and they'll take out a small mortgage. When I say small mortgage, you know, your house is worth a million bucks, they'll take out a mortgage worth 50 grand. Mm -hmm. So it's readily approved by the bank. And they'll leave 10 grand behind so that mortgage payments get made for the first few months while they, you know, leg it. And then all of a sudden the 10 grand dries up and the bank calls the senior citizen and says, hey, uh, you missed your mortgage payment. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, I've had a mortgage for 15 years. Yeah, well, it's not just the internet self-care, too. you got to be careful now with a lot of phone calls. Like I got a call the other day. Oh, yes. Someone saying that there's a two, uh, we're concerned about the two charges to your credit card, one for uh, Walmart and one for some, something else. And I said, really, uh, what card would that be? Pause. Yep. yep. TD. I said, nice try. <laughs> I don't have an account with TDU Blanken, uh-huh. scam artist, and slammed the phone down. So they got like a one in five, a one in ten chance yeah, of exactly. guessing, right? Exactly. Depending on where the card is. Even if they guess my bank, I still would have denied it anyway. That's funny. Because then they ask you, well, you just tell us, uh, you know, what's your account number again? Oh, Anytime yeah, right. they ask you I know. questions, I know. Say, I'm calling from the government, can you just give me your uh, social security No, I'm not giving you my social security number. So if you don't know who it is, don't even answer the phone. If you don't recognize the number, because if it's important, I'm glad you they'll, said that. they'll leave you a message. I'm glad you said that, because when we call, uh, listeners call in, they don't always uh, reach us the first time they call in, because we're busy, uh, of course, meeting clients and, and doing radio shows and things like that, so we have to call back. We always call from a, a number that says avoid probate on the pop-up. If, if, if they have caller ID, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It says avoid probate. It might say avoid probate.ca. I'm not exactly sure what it says because I'm the guy making the call. I don't see it. But we'll never call from any other number. So listeners, just so you know that, if we're calling you back, we don't call you first. You call us first. We call you back. It will always come up avoid probate, and that's, that's us returning your call right? for safety reasons. And that's smart. Yeah, of course. Because I get it. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't blame... I don't answer the phone if I don't know who it is. No. My mom does, but that's her job. Hi, Mom. Yeah. Because she answers the toll-free line. Yeah. Which we'll give out a few times during the show. This is the Void Probate Show. We're almost up against our first break, but I think it's worth mentioning that it also happens to be Senior Citizens Day. And that's awesome because that's and, who we're trying to help first and, and foremost. And it should be every day. And it should be every day. It's, it's always weird. It's kind of twisted. You know, senior citizens are calling us because they want to clean up their estate and make things simple for their loved ones for when they're gone. But really, they're doing it for the loved ones. It's not really for them. I mean, it's for them in a way. They get some, uh, I guess, feeling of satisfaction out of knowing that they've cleaned things up and made life as easy as possible 
for their loved ones. I Most of the time it's their children. Not always, but most of the time. And that's cool. So we're glad you're listening. It is the Avoid Probate Show. I'm Jason Lander here with Ted Walshin. We are going to go to our first break of the morning. And I'm happy to say we've got a special guest in studio. We have a lawyer. We have a real-life lawyer in studio, Ted. Did you know that? We're going to talk bear trust. We're going to talk bear trust, among among other things. And we've been teasing the listenership about having this bear trust conversation. We should have given them the heads up last week. We didn't do that. That's my bad. But we are going to talk bear trust and we're going to talk uh, legal stuff because we can this week because we have the licensed legal guy in studio and we'll introduce him as soon as we get back right after this. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Joining me now is Maria Estevez. She is the founder of Breakfast with Santa. It's a charitable organization that benefits underprivileged youth. Hello, Maria. How are you? Hi, Ted. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well. How long has this organization been going now? 38 years. Wow. Yeah. And you've fed a lot of kids and helped a lot of kids over those years. Oh, we certainly have. We certainly have a lot. Yeah. And there's still so much more to do. So much more. Now, you have a number of programs that run during the course of the year, and we're going to touch on all those over the next few weeks or so. Currently, you have a program for uh, backpacks for back to school, right? Tell us about that. Yes, we do. So it started August the 3rd and it goes up to September 16th. So what we do is we get uh, sponsors and donations to purchase backpacks and school supplies. So then we have wonderful volunteers and board members. And by the way, we're all... 100% 100% volunteer run. Excellent. Yeah, so what we do, we, we stuff the backpacks with all of the school supplies that the kids would need, and then we deliver them to different schools and different organizations that have families who are in dire need of this. Mm-hmm. And as you know, everything is so expensive these days. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking mostly not necessarily for product, but for cash donations so that you can purchase the product at a discounted uh, fee, right? Yes, that's the best way to do it. And uh-huh. uh, we do have a donate button on our website, and it goes straight to um, CanadaHelps.org. And there's a little window where you can designate your donation to a specific uh, program. In this case, would be backpacks for kids. Okay. And automatically, they you know they get a taxi seat right there and then. Okay. What is that web? Website and what's the best way for people to get hold of you? Yeah, the website is www.breakfastwithsantafoundation.ca. And if you want to email, it's all in small words be like breakfast.w.s like santa.unique, and that's spelled U N. I-Q-U-E mm-hmm. at simpatico.ca. That's great. So we'll uh, pass that along to folks and hopefully they can help you out. And in the meantime, we'll talk to you again next week, Maria. Great. Thank you, Ted. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And as we do, great work that you're doing. That's Maria Estevez and Breakfast with Santa. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. This is the Avoid Probate Show with Ted Wallace and Jason Laidler. And a reminder, you can get a hold of Jason, uh, info at avoidprobate.ca or toll-free 1-844-667-7628, 1-844-667-7628. And it's time for another edition of... 
Solving the probate puzzle. Debbie Stanley from ETP. Here's the situation. Debbie has a client, Mr. Chip. I call him Chips, but singular apparently. Who passed a while ago and leaving behind a sizable amount of money spread amongst across three banks, two of which are virtual banks. One is a brick and mortar. And I guess the problem was trying to get a hold of somebody in a virtual bank. Virtually impossible, it seems. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Any luck? We received luck with one of the virtual banks, the one that we were having the argument about the original will and whether they would accept the notarial copy. That one finally did agree. We had to speak to a manager and, you know, escalated a little bit more than we wanted to, but we have received that information. The other virtual bank that asked us to mail the request and then fax the request and then mail the request. <laughs> they were able to verify that they have received the package and that they are sending it to their estates department and that we should receive something in the next few weeks. So we are still waiting for this one. And because it's such a substantial amount, it's hard to guesstimate what we might be dealing with. So we're waiting. And this is for, correct me if I'm wrong, this is still all for the benefit of filling out the original application, correct? Yes. Yeah, so this is for creating the inventory listing to determine the asset value so that we could calculate the probate tax. Mm-hmm. We generally, what we try and do is try and get it as accurate as possible. Sometimes you can't. So then you have to do an amendment afterwards. But again, because we're dealing with investments and cash, it's a lot easier to just have that final number. We could get a, a perfect final number for this family if we could just get the information back. So the family does want to wait until we can get this balance instead of doing an amendment after the fact. The amendment, of course, just adds to the, the time it takes to complete the process and the cost, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, you want to do your probate application, submit it to the court, get your certificate and kind of keep moving. But the amendment, of course, does put a few more steps. It's not the end of the world, but generally you have to either pay additional probate tax or request a refund, which you can imagine how long that takes to get back from the Ministry of Finance. I can imagine. We talked about that once on the show. Remember, Ted, we were going to explore the uh, process of uh, obtaining refunds for those people who have paid excess probate fees. And remember, that's when I put a call into the office to the attorney general and they had that crazy message saying they were closed and I left a message and it's got to be two months at least now and I still haven't had a reply. Yeah, it's a long time. We put in for a refund on an estate that I was the executor for and it took about six months and we got the refund check though. And it did work, but it was quite the wait. I actually almost had forgotten about it. Thank God we log everything, but the check came in and I thought, oh my gosh, that was a while ago. Mm, six okay. months. Yes. Yeah. Wait times are just astronomical when you're dealing with estates. We tell every family we work with, just buckle in, get ready to have your patient's cap on. And here we go for the wait. So just to be clear, this is, again, all still part of the original 14-page application, right, that you have not submitted yet. We have not submitted yet. So we are on, what is it, week four now? Yes, week and four. we have not submitted it because we are still waiting for the value of this one particular account, which we have estimated should be around 300,000. So it's a sizable amount of probate tax that we don't want to miss out on, on the first try. And we could be wrong. Perhaps it's higher or lower. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But in any case, you need that figure to complete the application. Then you'll submit the application to the minister of finance along with a check, right? Correct. Yes. 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 Probate's due 
up front. Yes, they won't look at your application at the Superior Court without that check on the very front. So mm-hmm. it has to be a bank draft and it's made payable to the Minister of Finance, but it's submitted to the Superior Court just to, you know, complicate things. Yeah, exactly. Now, what if you're not in a position where you can afford to pay that kind of money? And that can cause some issues because depending on the estate, it may not have cash. It could be just a property and you have to deal with that. So sometimes the executor has to become a lender to the estate. So I've done that before. I've had to lend the probate fee to the estate. And then once we're able to sell the property, we collect our loan, if you will, back. Sometimes the executors have to ask the beneficiaries if they can lend money to the estate as well. And then there are financial institutions that provide loans for this specific amount reasoning. So there's there's a few different ways to go about it, but it's not ideal, right? Especially taking out a loan, you're paying interest on that and making things a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, to your point, there are companies that specialize in what they call probate advances. Mm-hmm. And it's not like an application for a regular line of credit or something. There's no credit score check or anything. It's just the probate documents, the, a, a copy of the will so that they can see, yeah, okay, is it just a matter of time before... You inherit X number of dollars, so therefore we will advance you whatever you need at a pretty uh, chunky interest rate, I must say. Yeah, they're there to make money, right? Yeah. So it's definitely, but, but if somebody's stuck, then... Yeah, they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. some of these people wouldn't qualify for standard lending if they don't have income, right? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And a lot of times when we're choosing an executor, we're choosing a friend or family member, and they may not have that set up in their own day-to-day forecasting, right? We forecast for our own planning and our own budgets, but I'm not forecasting for my mom's estate and her probate taxes. So that's where proper planning comes into play before we pass away. Yep. And so you're estimating, well, I mean, it could be maybe next week's report is short and sweet if we're still in the same position we are today waiting to hear back from this third bank. Yes. Yeah. It could be that we were able to get the documents all signed up and sent to court. I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit of wait time just because they said they're going to mail it out. So I think the next week's might be short and sweet. Me saying okay. I have no update. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. No update is an update. And we know that that was going to be part of the process here. So that's okay. It's all informative. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're doing. <laughs> all right. In the meantime, people want to get a hold of you, Debbie. What's the best way to do that? Uh, so our website is etpcanada.ca. Our phone number is 866-309-0387. And our email is info at etpcanada.ca. Debbie Stanley, edition episode, at least number five, coming to you next week, hopefully right. with more than I got nothing. Fingers crossed. can't make it up. You got it. And in the meantime, have <laughs> a good week and we'll talk. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. Talk to you soon. We're back in a moment. Stay with us. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Hi there, this is Jason Laidler from the Avoid Probate Show, and I'm pleased to say I'm having a conversation, a quick conversation, to introduce my friend Paul Portman from Portman Law, who is a regular contributor to the Avoid Probate Show. He's one of the lawyers on the team at avoidprobate.ca. Paul, how are you? Good, good, Jason. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So you're one of the lawyers on the team because you have an expertise in law, specifically in what part? So I uh, specialize in estate law, uh, litigation, and bear trusts. I do quite a bit of uh, work in that area. And I'm glad you mentioned bear trust because we often talk on the Avoid Probate Show about how a bear trust can help avoid the probate 
on property, correct? That's right. And it's widely misunderstood, but there's something that you're able to help our listeners figure out and avoid the probate on their house, cottage, commercial property, whatever it might be, right? That's correct, yeah. And how does it work? Like In a nutshell, the way the Bear Trust is set up, tell us real quick. Yeah, so a Bear Trust in a lot of ways is like any other trust agreement. The major difference between a regular trust agreement and a Bear Trust is that the Bear Trustee doesn't really have any powers in relation to the trust. They can't really do anything other than what's explicitly in the Bear Trust agreement. And the Bear Trust Agreement doesn't say anything other than they're holding legal title. So really, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't create a tax event. It just simply avoids the probate nightmare. That's correct. Okay, and if listeners want to contact you directly, I mean, they can always reach you through us at avoidprobate.ca, but if they want to contact you directly, the best way to reach you is what? They can contact me by email at paul at portmanlaw.ca. That's P-O-R-T-M-A-N-L-A-W.ca. Or they can contact me by telephone at 647-527-5878. And it doesn't have to be a bear trust question in particular, any estate question, you can help them out, correct? That's right. All right. Well, thanks for uh, being here today. And I know you've been a guest on the show in the past, and hopefully you'll be a guest in the future. And we will continue to work together to help all the listeners at AM740 Zoomer Radio who have any estate planning questions. They can call Jason Lather or they can call Paul Portman directly. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. You are listening to the Avoid Probate Show. Ted Wallace along with Jason Laidler. And as usual, the information provided in this program is for general consumption only. It's not intended to provide particular legal or investment advice. Each situation, of course, is different, and if you've got legal or investment questions, you should speak with a licensed expert, and we have them on hand. Uh, You can contact us at info at avoidprobate.ca, that's info at avoidprobate.ca, or toll-free 1-844-667-7628, that's 1-844-667-7628. Seven six two eight. One of those experts joins us in the studio. Paul Portman is principal at Portman Law, specializing in litigation, estate law, and bear trust. Hello. Hello, Paul. How are you? Bear trust. Good, good. How are you? I'm well. It surprised me when we first introduced the concept of, or we first started talking at least about bear trust. I didn't know anything about it. And uh, most people I talked to subsequently just look at me and go, what are you talking about? And even I know that we've talked to clients yep. who have said, well, I've gone to my lawyer three times about my will. He's never even mentioned Bear Trust. Yeah. Do you know something about Bear Trust, Paul? I do. I do know quite a bit about Bear Trust. Okay, uh, let's let's enlighten the listenership. The Zoomer audience is waiting. Tell us, what, what do you know about Bear Trust? Yeah, so, so, I mean, I think to understand what a Bear Trust is, you need to understand what a trust is, right? So, in, initially, a regular trust would be where you separate beneficial and legal ownership of your property. So you end up appointing someone as a trustee of your property. And in, I would say, standard trust agreements, you have clauses that say what this trustee can and cannot do with your property. Okay? Yep. They will hold legal title, but you as the person creating the trust will retain beneficial ownership and will be able to call the shots on what happens to your property. Mm-hmm. In a bare trust you have a situation where you're giving legal title to someone, but you retain all power and control. 
And that's the key distinguishing factor. So I would say that's really what sums up what a bear trust agreement is. Okay, so a couple things there, and we've probably confused most of the listeners already, including myself to some extent. But what I want to summarize is, is two things. You mentioned that it's real, and this is really important. And I say this all the time. We get we get a ton of calls on bear trust because we talk about it on the Avoid Probate Show from time to time, almost every week, not quite every week. And and people are like, what? You know, what's a bear trust? And but it is a tool that we use to avoid the probate on residential property. like We have a solution to avoid the probate on the investments that are at the bank, and that solution requires a transfer of investments from the bank to the insurance company where we can now put a beneficiary on it that avoids the probate on the investments, right? That's right. And then often, not always, but often someone will say to me, what about my house? or my cottage, or whatever. And that's when, you know, the bear trust conversation pops in. Exactly. And I'm not the lawyer, and I emphasize that all the time, because I do not want to get in trouble with the law society. I'm not the lawyer, and I'm not providing any legal advice here whatsoever. That's why we have lawyers on the team, like Paul Portman. And uh, thanks again for joining us today. But what I do tell people when we have our our no-cost consultation is that it does not create a tax event like a typical trust settlement does. In other words, when you put the home or the cottage or whatever it is inside the spare trust, it does not trigger any tax, correct? Yeah, I would say most of the time it does not. Okay, most of the time. Okay, spoken like a lawyer. And the other interesting part about the bear trust, which you alluded to already, is that it doesn't affect your control, the homeowner's control over the property. Nobody can force the sale of the property. The homeowner maintains full control. They can sell the property anytime they want to. They don't need anybody's permission, right? That's correct. That's one of the key distinguishing factors of bear trust. Right. So when I say bear trust, and I spell it B-A-R-E on purpose as a naked, because it's a stripped down version of a typical trust. Exactly. Okay. So that's why it's called a bear trust. Okay. So tell us some more. I mean, normally, if you're going to create a bear trust to avoid probate on your home, and or your cottage, and or your commercial property or investment property or income property or whatever it is. We're talking about residential space, right? Normally, is it safe to say the trustee or trustees are one or more of your children? Yeah, I would say most of the time they are, and that's part of the reason why, you know, usually there's no tax consequence, right? Oh, that's a function of the taxation uh, treatment, if it's a kid or not a kid? Well, yeah, I mean, whether or not it's a taxable event. I mean, I'm not a tax lawyer, but Uh I I would say most of the time when it is a a dependent or a spouse, you you know, it's not a taxable event. So if I were to leave my house to my kids, that would go to them without any kind of extra taxation? No problem? Yeah, I mean, there are exceptions. I think your child or your spouse, whoever does have to, well, uh, let's dial it back, children have to be living with you for it to be a non-taxable event. No, that can't be true. You think they have to be living with you? I can't name my kid who has his own house in uh, Edmonton as the trustee? I think you can. I think whether or not your your child who's not living with you wants to take that title to that property may be something that they want to look into with their own accountant, though. Interesting. So you're thinking, if I got it right, ideally it's a child who isn't already on title somewhere else. Is that the ideal situation? That's the ideal situation. But if they are on title, Ted's daughter lives in Guelph. She's on title for a property in Guelph, right, Ted? Mm-hmm. And if she and if Ted wanted to name her as the trustee of his property in the GTA, is that a problem? I, I mean, I think that you know there there might be some tax consequence to it. I don't think there's any problem from well, avoiding probate situation. Well, what she sells it if I leave it behind and her and, and my son decide to go to sell it. 
then they're going to pay tax on it. No, they're not, because it's Ted's principal residence. So the sale of Ted's principal residence, anybody's, not just Ted, anybody's principal residence is still tax-exempt, tax because of the principal residence exemption. Yeah, but I'm dead. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can sell today or it gets sold after you pass away. The principal residence exemption is still valid. It is. So there's no tax I mean, let's be clear, it has to be considered your principal residence, and lots of people have more than one property, mm-hmm. and you can only have one principal residence per adult, no, per married couple, actually. Even, they changed that rule a long time ago. It used to be spouses could have one each. Right. That changed years ago. I forget what year it was. I'm not going to try to guess. But today, a couple or an individual can only have one principal residence, and when that means when they pass, it's tax-exempt. So there's no capital gains or tax to worry about. We're talking about the probate aspect of it all. And even if it was the cottage, and let's pretend there was gains to pay on the cottage because it's not your principal residence. The Bear Trust, and this is a question for Paul, it's, not, it's more of a question than anything. The Bear Trust doesn't affect the capital gains tax in any way. It simply avoids the probate. That's right. That's what it's designed for. Thank you. So why wouldn't you want to put your property in a Bear Trust? Where's, is there a downside? No, uh, there really isn't a downside. I mean, other than, you know, your upfront cost of establishing the Bear Trust. So. Okay, so let's talk about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I understand, like, depend, it's, it's case by case. You, you know, one property, you've got three properties, you know, the cost is reflected based on the complexity of the file. But let's just say, you know, Betty Ann has one principal resident, one home in the GTA. It's worth one and a half million bucks, although the, the value of the home is not a function of the cost of the trust anyway, right? Not on our end of it, no. Right, so whether it's worth a million bucks or 10 million bucks, it doesn't change the cost of setting up the bear trust. That's correct. Okay, so whatever it is, there's one home that Mrs. Smith is living in. And she wants to put it in a bear trust. The rough math on the cost of setting up the bear trust would be approximately. I would say approximately four thousand or so, three or four thousand. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's that's good to know. And that's it becomes a simple math calculation because, as we've said on the show before many times, the probate fee in Ontario is one and a half percent, and that equates to about fifteen thousand per million. So let's just use a million for easy math. Million dollar home. Let's say four grand. We'll say upper end. You spend four grand, you're saving eight thousand bucks in probate fees. Exactly. A, no, I did that right. Eleven thousand bucks. Sorry, eleven thousand bucks. Yeah. Fifteen minus four, eleven. You're not saving it. I mean, I guess you are. I keep. This is why I go back and forth. Your beneficiaries are saving eleven thousand dollars, thanks to mom putting the house in a bear trust. That's right. And if it's a two million dollar house, well, the savings is that much greater. Exactly. So it becomes a simple math calculation. Do you want, not just the math, I hate to boil it down just to math, but if you can avoid the probate on it and the probate nightmare, which can take months and months and months and months, and legal fees, no offense, Paul, yep. legal fees on top of that. So if the, if the house is in a bare trust, the trustees can sell it tomorrow? I don't, they don't have to wait for probate. Yeah, exactly. And so the way it would work is, you know, upon someone passing away, if we've created the bare trust properly, the beneficiaries would already have title. Right. I mean, so they, there would have been a real estate transaction involved in the process of creating the bear trust. And so the beneficiaries would already be holding legal title if they're also the trustees. Legal title, but they can't sell it from under mom's feet. Correct. Not while she's alive. Okay. That's an important so distinction. So you kind of own it, but you don't own it. Exactly. Right. Okay. You own it when mom's gone. Yeah. We call it a legal fiction, right? So you call it what? Sorry? A legal fiction. A legal fiction? <laughs> I've never heard that term before. 
Sounds like political talk to me. And did you say, hold on, did you say illegal fiction or illegal fiction? No, tax planning is not illegal. <laughs> I think the tax lawyers of the world would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Legal fiction, that's a term I'm pretty sure we've never so, used here so on the am, show. Am, am I right if I, if I assume then that anybody who has a house and has children, that they're going to leave the house to the children, don't just put it in your will, put it in a bare trust with their names attached to it while you're still alive. And it could be there you know, under their name for the last 10 years of your life. Exactly, yeah. But, but I, they can't sell it. That's right. So but just, can you sell it? You can do whatever you want with all it. Right. You retain all power over that property. Yeah, I mean, if you sell the property that is the subject of the trust, it might make sense maybe to update the trust agreement, obviously, if you're going to buy a subsequent property. But otherwise, the concept remains. They can't do anything without your permission while you're alive. Well, you just touched on something interesting. If Ted's house is in a bare trust and Ted decides to sell it because he wants to move to Pefferlaw, shout out to Pefferlaw, the trust still exists or does that vacate the trust? Does it kill the trust? Because that property, that address is no longer legit. Yeah, so it all depends on what the bare trust agreement says. In most cases, part of the requirement of creating a bare trust is that you need to be specific as to what property is part of the trust. So if the property that is part of the trust is no longer exists yeah. because it's been sold, then you do need to update that trust agreement and to reflect your current property status, whatever property you currently own. So if you move, do you need a new bear trust or can you just transfer the previous one? So I, I would say that you probably want to create a new bear trust. Okay. So another 4K. No, because 4K, when I say 4K, it would include that initial upfront cost of transferring legal title, mm -hmm. of creating multiple wills, which is part of something that we do when we create a bear trust, or at least referencing the bear trust agreement in the will. So I'm talking about a will transaction, a real estate transaction, and creating an agreement, the bear trust agreement itself. You mentioned real estate transaction more than once, so I want to just touch on that for a second. You're saying that you, the lawyer... Paul Portman, in this case, Portman Law, is changing title. Correct. So uh, Ted today is on title for his property, his mansion, and tomorrow his children, adult children, of course, are now on title for that. Is, is Ted still on title or not anymore? So Ted would no longer be on title. The kids are on title. That's right. And a lawyer has to make that title change. Yes, sir. Only, any only a lawyer estate. can do it. That's right. A real estate lawyer, someone who, who is uh, licensed to practice real estate. And of course, there's a fee for that. And uh, before, I know Ted has a question here, but what about land transfer tax? Does that play a role? Yeah, so you would still have to pay the land transfer tax at the time the transaction is done. So whatever that works out to, depending on where you live, the land transfer tax can be different as well, right? So and is that on top of your fee? It would be on top of my An fee. An incidental Incidental, correct. Yeah, a discretionary uh, incidental expense, Ted. Yeah, <laughs> lawyers love those, by the way. So if if you <laughs> if you fill out your will and you say, okay, yeah, I bequeath my property to my son and, and and my daughter, and then they decide to turn around and sell it, what tax implications will they be facing? So in the absence of a bear trust. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of a bear trust, if they take it on as part of the estate, what will have to happen is they'll have to pay the probate tax just in order to be able to touch the property is often how I describe it. And they pay the same amount. They'll have to pay probate tax on the bank accounts and everything else that was part of your estate before they can go and touch that money and to show the bank, to show the land registry office that they have the authority to touch it. And they can't do that until they pay the probate tax. So they're paying the probate tax. The one if and there a half, is a probate tax. 
Right. That, not always is there a probate tax, but I would say 90% of the time when you have a property involved, there is a probate tax because the land registry office isn't going to let you touch the title to that property without... Until it's probated. Until it's probated. You can't change ownership until it's probated. Yeah. There's an honest lawyer in the land who's going to try and change the title without going through probate first. Exactly. Exactly. And so to Ted's point, I have a real quick comment, and then we've got to go to our next break. We got a call recently from a lady whose mother passed away recently in the GTA with a house in the GTA, and the lady estimated the property to be worth about $2 million bucks. and it's the only... There's a small bank account, but the da- it's a daughter, and she's on all of mom's other accounts joint. So really, it's just the house, and she asked me, do I have to probate? She goes, can you help me avoid the probate on the house? I said, no, I can't. So she asked me for a rough math calculation, what's it going to be? I said, well, on a $2 million property, it's 1.5%, like I said before, so you're looking at about thirty grand in probate fees plus about ten grand in admin fees. So you're looking at about forty grand. She flipped out. She's like, crazy because I don't have forty grand. So well, I'm sorry. I mean, um, we can talk about how you can maybe find forty grand, but that's going to be your cost roughly to probate mom's house. But if it was in a bear trust, she could have avoided that money, that expense. Exactly. That said, we'll be right back after this quick break. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Okay, let's head down to 190 Baldwin, Kensington Market, the home of Tom's Place. Hello, Tom Hollick. How are you this day? Thank you very much for giving the wonderful customers my address. 190 Baldwin Street in the heart of Kensington Market. And Kensington Market is truly in the heart of the city. Our store is located two streets north of Dundas and west of Spadina. When you come down to Kensington Market, you're going to arrive in a totally different world. It's lively. It's upbeat. And when you're going to come into my store at 190 Baldwin Street, you're going to see the finest merchandise. As a matter of fact, I have some customers here from, from the United States as I'm talking to you, Ted, because we do talk live to you, and we're doing the recording. And the customer said he has never seen a selection of merchandise that we carry in our store. So please come down. Take advantage, and you'll find the finest clothing that you'll ever seen. Thank you, Ted. Have a great day, and let my people shop. Absolutely. 190 Baldwin. That's where you'll find Tom's Place in the heart of Kensington Market. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Hey, good morning. You are listening to the Avoid Probate Show with Jason Laidler, and I'm Ted Walshen. And we invite you to keep your calls and emails coming in with your questions. We rely on them, as do uh, of the listeners who get a lot of great ideas from the questions that you post. We like to share them with our listeners. Info at avoidprobate.ca is the email address. That's info at avoidprobate.ca, and the number to call is one 844 667-7628. And also, you get a chance, go to the website, www.avoidprobate.ca. There's a probate calculator, and it'll give you an idea of how much probate might be payable on your estate. We have a special guest with us this week. Paul Portman is principal at Portman Law, specializing in litigation, estate law, and bear trusts. Paul, do I need a, a will and a bear trust, or can I come to you and say, Let's just do a bear trust and put it all in one happy basket. 
Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason that we want to do a will that specifically addresses the bear trust is that we want to ensure that when it comes time for probate, everyone is aware, everyone who, who matters is aware that there is a bear trust that exists and that, uh, in fact, legal and beneficial ownership has been split up explicitly by the testator, right? So in that sense, we do need a will. Okay, hold on, hold on a second. That's a really good point. And when you, I want to be clear for the listeners here. When you say everyone is aware, who's everyone? Yeah, so that's going to be the beneficiaries of the trust as well as the potential beneficiaries under the will as well as the court itself, the ministry, when you apply for the program. That's what I was leading towards because, and I, I want to dive deeper on this for a second, you know, the province says, hey, man, you got a property worth a million bucks, you owe us 15 grand, and you say, no, no, I don't because I got it in a bare trust. The property can say, yeah, says who? You know what I mean? Like, where's the proof in the pudding? Where's the, how do you back it up? Yeah, and as with everything, the way you back it up is in writing, right? And the way you back it up in writing in this case would be in the bear trust agreement itself. And then, of course, in a will, usually what we do is we have multiple wills. We have a will that we are going to probate, which is the assets that we know we have to probate. And then we have a secondary will where assets that are not going to be probated will be referenced, and that would include the bear trust agreement. Can you give us a short list of what else might be in that second will and qualify as an asset that does not have to be probated? So anything with a beneficiary designation, for example, we might want to refer to those types of assets in the yeah, secondary uh, okay, will. Well, hold on a second. Why? This comes up all the time. I don't understand if there's a beneficiary designation on the asset, why does it have to be referenced in the will? So it's, it's really just more to give notice to the beneficiaries that it exists. In the event the primary will, the one that's being probated, gets challenged, they might look to the secondary will out of a principle of fairness or equity or something like that. When we get into litigation, sometimes we get into that. I would say as a matter of caution on my own end, I don't reference anything that has a beneficiary designation in the primary or in the secondary will because I don't want the court to know that they exist at all. And that's kind of where I was coming from. So getting back to our solution here at avoidprobate.ca for the investment that's currently at the bank, where you cannot put a beneficiary on it, we want to do that transfer. We want to help you facilitate. We, in fact, we do all the background work to facilitate that transfer from the bank over to an insurance company. Name beneficiaries, which you can't do at the bank, the church, the kids, the cat, whoever you want it to be. That means, by definition, that asset, that investment, grandma's million bucks, whatever it is, no longer becomes part of her estate. And so why even mention it in the will? The will does not speak to it, right? Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I know some lawyers would, yeah. uh, but I, I would not. I think that really the real benefit of, of the secondary will is for folks who have a lot of, you know, let's say, like antiques or old cars or something like that. Well, are you, hold on. Are you trying to say you don't have to probate antiques? Well, if, you just, if you're just doing specific bequests to individuals, right, it doesn't have to form part of the estate for probate purposes, so to speak. You might be able to pass it in a secondary will. And Get out of here. So I've got a, an antique, I don't know, vase. What's that? Fabergé egg? Is that what that thing is? Fab yeah. So I've got an antique Fabergé egg worth uh, half a million dollars and I don't have to probate it just because I'm saying that, you know, my nephew uh, Jimmy gets it? If it's in a secondary will and you split it up from the primary will, the, the answer is uh, it's possible. Well, then you should be able to do the same thing with your house. Yeah, it's interesting because the difference is this. With the Fabergé egg, uh, there's no land registry office breathing down your neck asking, <laughs> no. where did the Fabergé egg go? Right. right. With the property... But there's a Russian oligarch asking this question instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the difference, right? Yeah, okay. That, well, that makes sense. 
So, okay, and I've talked about this with other lawyers as well, and, and there's, I get some different answers at different times. We, we, we spent a lot of time today talking about the bear trust. Is it absolutely necessary to have a second will if you have a bear trust, or can you have a bear trust that's functional and does what you want it to do, i.e. avoid probate? That's all we're trying to do here. We're not saving taxes. We're not saving, well, we're saving death taxes, but we're not saving CRA, capital gains taxes, or anything like that. We're just trying to avoid the probate nightmare. Do I need a second will? if that's all I'm trying to do with a bear trust on my house? Yeah, it's a good question. I recommend doing a secondary will just because I don't like referring to the bear trust agreement in the primary will that needs to be probated in the event that there are other assets that need to be probated. I think it really comes down to are there other assets that need to be probated? Interesting. And I've got a a mailbag item that I'm going to share before the the show's over today with regard to that particular point. But we are coming up to the mailbag, and we're going to do a couple of mailbag items, and I'm happy to say that Paul Portman's got one. Every time we have a guest in the studio at Avoid on the Avoid Probate show, I always like to take advantage of the fact that they're here and, and get them to tell their own mailbag story, and that's going to happen. But uh, just before we get there, we've got a couple of minutes to, to wrap up You know, the whole concept of the bear trust, and I think that's important because, you know, like, like, like Ted said earlier in the show, it's so foreign. It's such a foreign concept to so many smart people. You know, when smart people say to me, Jason, I've never heard of it, and they're embarrassed. And I'm like, well, don't worry. You're in good company. Like, nobody's heard of it, and I don't understand why. Actually, if I'm not wrong, Revenue CRA, sorry, I keep, I'm old. I call it Revenue Canada. CRA has introduced new reporting requirements for bear trust specifically. Now, let's talk about that for a quick second because that question comes up too, and people will ask me, well, what, what, how does it affect my income tax? So if it's your house and there's no income generated because you live there and you're not renting out any space, so there's no income, then there's no income tax issue, right? But, tell me if I'm wrong, I don't know how much you know about these new reporting requirements, Paul, but uh, Paul Portman from Portman Laws here is our guest in studio. But what I understand is CRA is cracking down and they want to track this stuff because they know it's growing in popularity, and so they're requesting that it get reported even if there's no income to report. That's right. Yeah, they want to know who the beneficiaries are. They want to know about the bear trust explicitly, you know, who's holding it, who's the beneficial owner, who's the legal owner. And I think probably in anticipation of some legislative change down the road. Well, don't say that, but that's what I was thinking too, in anticipation of some legislative changes. There's one other thing I want to clear up. Okay, but just to be clear on that, in case it was confusing, you can set up, Ted Walsh can set up a bear trust on his property today. It doesn't create a tax event by setting it up, and it doesn't create an ongoing tax event reporting it on his income tax return, unless, of course, there's income to report. But that's not usually the case for people when they're just living in their own house, right? Right. So it's not a tax burden yet. Correct. Okay. You mentioned beneficial ownership, and, and I want to make sure this is clear as well. Just got a couple of minutes here. We, we talked about who the trustees might be, the kids, maybe, or... You said earlier off off air, if there's no kids, which is often the case, a professional trustee? That's right. right? A lawyer? Yep. Who else could be a a trustee? Uh, There are folks who do this for a living who will act as uh, professional executors. A lot of those folks will also be willing to to administer a trust. Uh, If you can't find anyone else, some of the major banks also do it. Uh, I don't need to name any, but... uh, No, please don't. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because we want them to call us and you and not them. And the bank is not your friend, by the way. So the beneficiary, though, the trust 
Does the trust name the beneficiary, or is that the job of the will for, with the bear trust? So with the bear trust agreement, it is going to name who is the trustee. It's, yes. it's not going to necessarily say who the beneficiary that's is. That's what I thought. So then who knows who the, who the beneficiary is? Who knows? And that's the purpose of the secondary will. Okay. Beautiful. I love how we tied that together. Does that make sense, Mr. Wallison? Makes sense to me. Is it clear as mud? Clear as mud. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Let's wrap up the Bear Trust conversation for now yeah. with that. I think that was very helpful and very insightful. Thank you, Paul Portman, for, for explaining it to us and to our listeners. We have a few minutes left to talk about uh, mailbag items, which is a very popular part of the show, a very popular uh, segment, and we usually wrap up with mailbag stuff. I've got a mailbag story, but I'd rather hear yours first because you're here and you're not here every day, and I can sh- I can do mine later if need be. So. You said something about, and I'll just set it up even though I'm, you're capable of doing the same, but, and the reason I wanted to set it up is because I wanted to make reference to what Debbie Stanley reported today earlier in the show in, in, in that new segment, Solving the Probate Puzzle, where she's still in the, in the phase of working on the initial probate application. Right. It's week four. And she's still waiting for information from a, a, a financial institution to complete the application in week four. And she may be waiting another week or two or three. We don't know. But that's the initial application. People don't realize what's involved here. And I don't blame them. How would you know? Paul Portman knows. So you, tell us about your application story. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a particular client I had who um, I say that uh, she was from a, a, a minority ethnic background. And I say that because it it ties into what ends up happening. So she has a few different variations on the spelling of her name. And I think you know where I might be going here. Wow. So we do an application for... How hard probate. is it to spell Smith? Come on. <laughs> right. So uh, the ministry, the folks at Service Ontario there, uh, you know, they, they get the application for the death certificate and uh, they make a mistake in spelling her name. And that ends up causing about seven to eight months of delay <laughs> on, on our end in terms of getting the application uh, uh, submitted sh- and accepted. I shouldn't laugh. Seven to eight months delay. That's right. In this case, it took us seven to eight months just to get the death certificate corrected. Forget about actually starting to deal with the assets of the estate because, you know, getting the certificate is that first step. So we were sort of stopped at uh, step zero, so to speak, Steps. Uh, trying to get the death certificate, and we couldn't get one in the correct name uh, for, for seven to eight months. Well, why not? I mean, hold on. Is it because they kept getting it wrong, or it just took that long to do one change? Right. So, so what happened is we got a death certificate with the incorrect name, and then we had to submit what's called a Form 23 correction to a death registration oh, to the boy. Service Ontario. Sorry, what was that form called again? It's Form 23, <laughs> a correction to a death registration to Service Ontario. So when we submitted that form, uh, you know, it took, it took them seven to eight months, Service Ontario, to get back to us. And once we got the corrected long-form death certificate, then we were able to finally start the probate process. That is a crazy story because we talk all the time here on the Avoid Probate Show on AM740. I'm Jason Layler, Ted Walsh, and if you're just joining us late in the morning, late in the show, that uh, the probate process can be painful. We call it the probate nightmare, and it can take 10 months or longer. But Paul's point is it took him seven months before he could even start the process. Mm -hmm. I never even thought of an error on the part of Service Ontario or because... Because the death certificate is incorrect, which of course could happen. I mean, yeah. any document can be 
you know, mistakenly produced or whatever. Yeah, it's quite common, actually. People have different names on different documents. It's quite and, common. Yeah. Especially in the GTA, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we have, uh, it's one of the blessed places in the world to live, uh, but it is the most diverse. And, and we run into a lot of issues with uh, some of these, uh, you know, racial minorities and their, their wow. unique uh, names that maybe the ministry hasn't dealt with before. Well, it's true. It's true, because even, even in my situation, I mean, technically my name's Theodosi, but I go by the name of Ted. So if, if, if I fill out an application and use Ted and then they come back to me and say, no, that's not your name. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's what people call me. And, and you find that a lot with, uh, uh, with, with recent immigrants who come yeah. and they change their names. Their name may be a, like a South Asian name, and then they change it to Ernie or whatever because they want to anglicize yeah, yeah, it just to make yeah. it just to make it easier, right? So now you got to figure, okay, which is your real name and which name do you use? And then and therein lies the rub. Yeah. So really, I guess I should be clear and say this is the Avoid Probate Show with Jason Laidler and Theodosi Walshin. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's correct. Okay, well, maybe we'll make that change. You get that note, Kelly? I'm going to change the bumpers <laughs> to Theodosi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say, can you spell it, but never mind. T-H-E-O-D-O-S-Y. One more time? T-H-E-O-D-O-S-Y. D-O-S-Y. Just like it sounds. Exactly. I've got a quick minute here to say one other uh, mailbag item. I have. I just got to share it because it's crazy stuff. And, Paul, you'll appreciate this, I ho- I'm sure. A lady called us and is fed up with the bank and wants to make a change. She's been listening to the show regularly. She wants to move the money to the insurance company, create new portfolios that are not locked in because we don't lock in our clients' money, put beneficiaries on it, avoid the probate, take advantage of the 100% death benefit guarantee. Call me if you want more information on that. We didn't talk about it today. And she went into the bank and she said, uh, I want to talk about my beneficiaries. I want to put beneficiaries. Uh, I noticed there's no beneficiaries on my registered accounts, and there can be, and there should be. So I want to add my kids. So a, it's a, it's a shame that they're not there already, and uh, and I blame the bank for that. I never blame the investor. It's not the, it's the bank's job. You take the time to create a TFSA, and you can't take thirty seconds to say to the client, "Oh, by the way, who do you want to be a beneficiary?" And often they don't take that time, and that's why we see TFSAs with beneficiaries named to the estate, which is a crime, in my opinion. She says, well, I want to add my kids, because they should have been added before. Manager says to her, now's not a convenient time. You need to come back next week. She was shocked. I was shocked. That's not cool. Tempting fate all over the place. Anyway, she's going to move it anyway, and we will fix the problem. That said, that's the show for this week. i got to thank our special guest, Paul Portman, Portman Law, for being in studio and enlightening us all about Bear Trust. What's the best way for people to contact you, Paul? Yeah, so they can get in touch with me through my website. It's uh, www.portmanlaw.ca. That's P-O-R-T-M-A-N-L-A-W.ca. Or by telephone at 647-527-5878. Which is also, if I see my notes correctly, 647-527-JUST. Because it just makes sense. It ju- oh, listen to you. Here, I thought it was justice or something like that. It just makes sense. It just okay. makes sense. Yeah, okay, cool. I thought it You'll was come just, back. Justin. Justin (laughs) Bieber Justin Bieber that's right right Paul uh, you'll definitely come back and join us again right I hope in the future absolutely we were going to talk about something called dependence relief against the estate we didn't we ran out of time so maybe we'll do that again that's a dependence relief against the estate in the meantime I'm Jason Laidler here with Ted Walshin thank you uh, Mr. Walshin for being here and for your decades of radio excellence thanks to Kelly for uh, rocking it behind the glass as usual We'll do it again next week, same time uh, next week, Ted? For the final Sunday in August. Oh, my goodness. 
How depressing. All right. On that happy note, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You've been listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.